Hello and welcome to another episode of Another One. I'm your host, Rich Bees, and your co-host here, Khadijah RBZ. And today, we're continuing on with the episode um, about parents versus students versus teachers. You know, so we're going to continue on and we're going to hit this topic and um, we do have a special guest with us on today. Um, Her name is Dr. Latoya Johnson and she's a teacher or an educator. But here, you know, what we are doing is trying to give you guys perspective from both sides. You know, because it did, we don't want to be biased in our approach because we are parents. And so our thought process toward um, students and teacher interaction and how a teacher interacts with a parent is kind of biased because we are parents. But we want to bring a teacher on because we want to find out some things from, you know, an educator. You know, what's really going on and how are we supposed to interact or maybe even what are some of the things that that they're dealing with on a daily basis right so join us because we're gonna go in and we're gonna talk about it after the break there's a process to making great designs it starts with understanding the intended use if you are looking to have your graphic used on flyers, websites, broadcast TV, or even billboards, Dynamic Works can and will listen to your branding needs and use their 15 plus years of graphic design experience to create a dynamic design that will have your audience captivated. They have an easy process from start to final design no matter where you live. Go to dynamicworks.com. www.dyna M-I-K-W-O-R-K-S dot com. Simple, clean, dynamic. Hi, Latoya. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. My name is Khadijah, and it is a pleasure to talk to you on today. Yes. I am looking forward to um, asking you questions and getting to know um, a little bit about you and also just hearing um, what you would like to share with our listeners, share with parents uh, from the educator perspective, because I think that that's going to be really, really valuable in helping people help themselves. Right. I, I do agree. I do <laughs> agree. But really, the first podcast, when I listened to it from um, last year, I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. <laughs> it really brought up some critical, critical issues that still goes on every day in school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So what? just to jump right in, um, first, who are you? Now, I, I know that you are Dr. LaToya Johnson. Um, for the sake of this interview or for the sake of this podcast episode, how would you like for us to call you? Do you want us to call you Dr. Johnson, Dr. LaToya, LaToya? How would you like to be addressed? Because I want to be respectful and mindful of that. 
it's, it's totally up to you um, if you want to say. Trust me, I, I'm not all crazy on the titles, but of course I did earn it. But that you did, I, look, right? Right. Right. Proud so, of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's totally up to you. I mean, of course, some people say Toya, some people say Latoya, some people say Dr. Johnson. It's totally up to you. Okay, so are you okay with Dr. Johnson? It won't be any. That's fine. Okay. Yes, it won't be any hard feelings. Okay. But I'm in between. Like I'm an educator, but I'm also a professor. Okay. And so, um, I, so I do want to put this out there that actually this is my first year back into the classroom. Okay. Um, which is interesting. But before this, I the last what five years I've been at the college level teaching teachers. Okay. <laughs> um, teaching yes, teachers. teaching teachers. Um, and so, you know, I was blessed and fortunate to get my PhD by the age of 29. And so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did a lot of school back to back to back. But previously, um, before teaching teachers, I taught um, at the elementary level for what? Because mm, I started out even just subbing. So I would say about eight years. Okay. Then I went to the University of Georgia, and that's when I really became a researcher, got my PhD, and began to teach teachers. Um, I was a director of teacher ed here um, in Tennessee at a college. Um, then I actually, so we're, I'm in an awkward position because I resigned from that position for ethical reasons, that things that they wanted me to do that I did not want to do. Mm. And so that's, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, talking about politics of, of education. Yeah. Um, that I refused to do because they wanted me. I was over the whole teacher ed program, mm-hmm. but they wanted me trying to respect the school. I won't call their name, but right. they wanted me to hire people to teach teachers who had never taught before. Okay. And of course, the <laughs> dynamic of that is going to be very different. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, no, no, I cannot. I don't care how much money you pay me. I don't care what you're trying to do. You can, how can we prepare future teachers and bring in people who have no idea what's going on in the classroom? Sure. But you like, know what? If, that's just wrong. If I can jump in right here, the funny part is that's what they do in our elementary schools and in our um, um, middle schools and high schools. They bring in teachers who have never taught before. Mm. You know, and <laughs> you're right. You're right because a lot of schools are filled with substitute teachers um, because positions. There's a, and I'm not sure if you realize, but there is like a significant shortage of teachers, and I'm pretty sure we all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an even higher percentage because um, I've done research. My whole dissertation at UGA was around the shortage of African-American teachers in schools and what that means for our students and Mm. for teachers too of color. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so we have a critical shortage of teachers and we have a critical shortage of African-American teachers. Um, The last research that I did, there were like 3 million public school teachers and out of that 3 million, only a little over 2000, like not 2000, but 200,000 were African-American. Wow. Out of three million, yeah, wow, teachers, like that's that's what we had, and so a lot of schools are being filled with subs, yeah, people who have no, they're just coming in, and usually the subs are people who are in between jobs who really don't care, mm-hmm. they're just in there getting money until they get the next big break, um, and so our students will have to deal with that, or if there's a shortage, like in the sciences, there's a critical shortage in technology. 
you know, engineering, all those mathematics, there's a critical shortage as well. So what we find is they have to just put anybody in there. Interesting. Because we really just don't have people who are qualified. It's unfortunate. See, and this is what we're, this is what we're leaving our, this is where we're leaving our kids every day. Our kids who are impressionable and don't know, you know, anything, but then they're, they have to pass these tests and they are not given enough information because the teacher themselves don't have enough information to teach it. Right. Right. And we do have some very smart, um, (laughs) brilliant teachers, but we do have a lot of teachers who come to the classroom unprepared. You know, unprepared for, for, you know, when we think about subject matter, they're unprepared. Uh When we think about um, just experience with dealing with students of diverse cultures, they're inexperienced. When we think about teachers who who really don't even have a passion for education, I'm just here. They're just there trying to get a check. And that's not all of them, but there are some. Right, exactly. Our expectation level for teachers are high and so if they're not if they feel unprepared right I mean some people won't say it but they do in themselves feel unprepared and then you have a student who may you know do little things around the classroom or what have you right um then what what happens is because they already feel unprepared then they're going to start lashing out Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, and it's not And you're referring to the teacher lashing out. Exactly. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And and I would agree with you on on that because one of the number one issues that we're having with teachers is classroom management. Teachers who are not able to manage the classroom. What kind of training are you supposed to have to be a teacher? Like, like what is, what is the, because you said you teach teachers. Right. So what is it that they, what should we expect from a teacher? Now, a teacher who is considered, because they will classify you as highly qualified, you know, and that's, that's something that parents are not aware of that you can actually find out is, your child's teacher is considered a highly qualified. And when we say highly qualified, you know, we're more so talking about someone who has um, graduated from a teacher preparation program. That means they went to a college who has a great teacher ed program. Um, They're required in addition to taking the core courses in college to actually take courses that prepare them to teach their subject matter that they're going to teach, but also prepare them you know, to handle diversity, and I really hate to use the word handle, but how do you embrace the different cultures, um, and not only cultures, but the different learning styles of students in your classroom, mm-hmm. you know, these are all the things that should be addressed um, in their teacher, you know, preparation um, program, classroom management, how do you engage the students with technology, because we can no longer lecture, just get up here and lecture to students mm-hmm. anymore, all of that should be, you know, should be addressed in their teacher preparation program. And to be honest with you, like the requirements for teachers now of what they need before they can even enter into a classroom, 
um, like they're much, much more pressing mm. <laughs> and probably, I can say, a little stressful um, than it used to be because now as a teacher you have to pass the praxis exams. Um, in some states like Georgia, it's called the GACE exam. Um, now they're also implementing in most states where they have to do a portfolio and do a TPA. And so they have the requirement. The teacher prep programs are supposed to have the requirements. But the thing you mentioned this earlier, Rich, is that when when there's such a shortage, you have to go outside of the teachers who meet all of those qualifications. Mm-hmm. And so after you have recruited people from these great teacher prep programs at various colleges across the nation, and you still don't have enough teachers, then you have to get people who don't meet the qualifications. Mm. Right. That's interesting. Um, because we have to fill it. We, ha- we have to fill those um, positions. Uh, because or else the students are stuck with us. I mean, I know a number of schools who are stuck with, with subs. And once again, like STEM is one of the great areas. It's so difficult to find the chemistry teacher or the physics teachers, you know, and then engineering teachers. And then the pay is an issue because someone in engineer is not going to leave engineering to come become a teacher when you're only going to pay me, you know, yeah. a, mm-hmm. a fraction mm-hmm. of what I would get paid in the industry. Yeah. Right. So so from what I'm hearing, it seems like there's a frustration that's that can build over time for uh, a teacher. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I have been, <laughs> been a frustrated teacher. I think a lot of teachers um, get frustrated. I think as we begin to treat and I say this all the time when I'm mentoring teachers and others who want to support the field of education if we begin to treat teachers like we do athletes mm. I think we could get better teachers but we don't value teachers in the way that we value other occupations although teachers are the ones who produce all the others <laughs> right and so there is frustration when they come into the class. Not from all teachers, of course. So I don't want to make generalize and say it's all teachers. But teachers do. Teachers can't be creative like they, they used to. You can go in the classroom. I remember when I first started teaching, I could just do all kinds of things. And then over time, it became, what about your test score? Right. Yeah. So that that leads me to backtrack a little bit to something that you said as far as preparing teachers is concerned. And I just want you to kind of touch on that a little bit because I'm holding this conversation from a parental perspective. So our listeners out there that are parents and they want to get an understanding so that they can help the teachers. Because I know for me, something that I've always wanted to do was have a face and a presence in my children's classroom. I want their teacher to know that I'm there to support any way I can. Now, I'm not that person because I do work a full-time job, so I can't be the class mom, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I will ensure that my child has what they need mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of those things so that they can be a good student for that teacher. If the teacher needs me to step in and volunteer and do things like that. But referencing back, you mentioned that learning styles and cultures was one of the the big things that 
is is or, or excuse me two of the big things that are hit on it when you're um teaching teachers and i would be curious to know what it is that you all do or what is done that you're aware of to help teachers to deal with the cultural differences i work in corporate america in on the academic side if that makes sense uh, <laughs> clinical research and um okay we do have various cultures in that setting and I know for me as an adult it can be challenging at times dealing with and interacting with various cultures so having an adult that's doing that not just with children but also with parents I'm sure that can be a little bit of a challenge also so how is it that you are giving teachers the tools that they need to go into this type of setting and be as prepared as possible. Okay, and I'm going to I'm going to comment on the question, but I'm okay. going to just go off just a little bit, but it's still relevant. Okay. And say one of the key issues that I notice mm-hmm. is that race relations is is was one of my most difficult subjects to teach when I was teaching teachers. Okay. I will say that much. It was so difficult. <laughs> and let me say this so I can say it in the most respectful way possible. Sure. But it was so difficult in some cases to get certain races to see that when I say to embrace this culture, I'm not just saying go just celebrate Black History Month. Right. Or, you know, put up a piñata or, you know, it's, or, you know, it's, it's more than you eating Mexican food. Yeah. And a lot of times <laughs> that was the conception that I got like that. That was exactly the students who came to me. They automatically thought, that, oh, yeah, I do that. I can do that. Yeah. I can, you know, I can you know, make African be. I can dance African dance. No, 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 no. We can listen to music. And that would be all that we would get. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, when I come into your classroom, I should see the classroom resembling what the students come from. Yeah. Like, not only your your pedagogy, your teaching, but I mean, when I come into the classroom, I should see pictures of the students. I should I should see all of that happening in the class. I should see you changing up word problems with names that these students are familiar with. Besides just Sarah and Carrie, do they see Cedrica in the sentence? Mm-hmm. Because mm. you know, and those just simple things like because this is what they're used to, mm-hmm. right? Do you have Jose in a sentence, mm-hmm. or are you always saying Sarah? Are you always using the the language that you are familiar with? If you right. know that the students, what they do after school is they have to help their grandma clean up. They don't have the luxury of being in this after school program. Right. Then all of those things should be some kind of way it should be weaved into your lesson in a positive manner exactly yeah exactly and so that's what (laughs) we're we're trying to teach Mm -hmm. um but of course teacher educators are just like teachers you have some good ones and you have some bad ones yeah 
And so you have some that aren't teaching it on the surface level of, okay, let's go over here. We're going to listen to their music. You know, we're going to celebrate Black History Month. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to let them look up Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. So we, we still have, but that was one of my most difficult subjects to teach, you know, how do we embrace students, you know, who are homosexuals? How do we embrace, not just, we're not just talking about race. Like mm. students who say, oh, I'm a homosexual. How do we embrace, you know, students who have a learning disability, right. you know, who are artistic? There's, but people always thought about race. Yeah. <laughs> it automatically came to race. But all those students in the classroom are different. They bring something different and cultures. So I think if we get to the point of, helping teachers to understand what culture even means. Yeah. Another thing that I think is important, um, not just in the classroom, but just life in general, is having an awareness of our own biases. Because we all have unconscious biases. And those, that can be a major hindering block in unity within cultures. Because we don't realize that our own way of thinking, our own perceptions, our own um, just experiences, uh, yeah, is is really based on experiences. Can can prevent right. us from accepting or even stepping out. Like instead of understanding that it might not be that Jamal has a behavior problem, it may be that Jamal is really smart and he learns more hands-on than you just sitting here talking and reading to him and instead of just putting Jamal in this box and just saying oh because Jamal is you know black or brown or you know he fits this category that we learned two years ago when I was in college that most African-American boys have behavioral issues when that's not yeah. really the case, and I, right. I think they're that, labeled that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know, a, a, as a parent having my own brown boy, I've learned a lot about the educational system, how they're viewed, and how quickly they're put into a box and labeled. And as a parent who is aware, it is my job and my responsibility to ensure that he does not get put into that box and left there. And I think that that is where, as parents, we have to be hands-on we have to to not just wait to get a phone call that's negative but we have to be in the classroom and observe and and know and ask questions of our child and our parent so from an educator perspective then what is it that you would like to see parents do more to help in fostering a positive environment right and you you hit on a lot of key points and i would say I always look at the teacher and parent when I'm thinking about the because it's a relationship. Yeah. You know, it's just like any other relationship, and I think sometimes we forget about that. And a relationship has to be mutual, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for both the parent and the teacher. So, like, the, the teacher has to start off at the first. This is one of the things I used to teach my students. Like, before we, you're going to become teachers, do not wait until the middle of the semester to contact the parent. Mm-hmm. If you do nothing but send a letter home saying, hey, my name is Ms. Johnson, my name is Dr. Johnson, you send that letter and say, hey, I'm here, you know, I just want you to know who I am, I'll be reaching out to you. 
But first thing, you have to be consistent on both ends. The parent needs to step up at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, introduce you know, themselves, as well as the teacher to build that relationship from the beginning is something that's mutual. Right. And a lot of teachers have this, well, I just be honest. Um, this is a big. Please do. Please this do. Is a, I'm going to be honest. There's a big myth in education that parents don't care. Right. That that parents don't care, and I would totally disagree with that because when I first started, especially minority parents. So mm-hmm. let me just get, get down to it. That minority parents don't care. You know, that they're, I'm like, no, that's not the case. If she's working three jobs and she's a single mom, she cannot come up here. Right. Yeah, she just doesn't have the time. Just just not enough time in the day to make it there. Right. You know, not during your business hours, your school hours. Exactly. And so a lot of times parents are positioned as they don't care, you know, that sort of thing. But it has to be something that's mutual. But I still feel like even if you work three jobs, you may, like you said earlier, you may not be able to be up there all the time. But you still have to start from the beginning, reaching Mm -hmm. out to the teacher. I was so successful as a first year teacher because I had every parent like on speed dial. Mm. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. I had them on speed dial. All I had to say was, I'm calling your parent, and I'm oh no no like don't don't call. If I didn't have mom, dad, I had grandma. I know that's right. I had auntie. <laughs> I, I had uncle. I w- I knew that there was certain stuff I could share with everybody, right? But I still could contact them. Yeah. So if I can get mama, well auntie is going to tell mom, and mom will get you like. We have to build those relationships with not only the parents, but just the family in general. And I think sometimes teachers wait too late. Mm -hmm. They wait too late to build that relationship. It has to be something that you do from the very beginning. And it's, I mean, it's just like, I'm going back to the relationship. It's just like any other relationship. You don't want anybody to start off a relationship giving you something negative. Right. 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 Like telling you something <laughs> negative about yourself. Yeah. You know, we're always told to start with praise, then later bring the negative, yeah. and then you end with the praise. The sandwich. Like, that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it works with education, too, and we haven't, for some reason, we haven't embraced it. Right. <laughs> but it still works. And right. the same thing for the parent. Don't wait until your student messes up. Like, your child messes up, then you want to contact the parent. No. You contact just to say something nice. Oh, I'm so glad, you know, that you're teaching my child this year. Let me know if you need anything. I work three jobs now. Let me know. I work three jobs, Uh but I'm here if you need me. And then, you know, go ahead, Rich. But the uh, the other thing is when, when the contact is made, it's built up from a place that if you would have told me from earlier... You know what I mean? Like, even if it was negative, if you would have told me earlier when it was minor, then we don't have to get to something that's out of control. Exactly. But, but now you've built up a portfolio against my child that now I'm I'm like, I could have stopped. I could have stopped all of this earlier had you just told me. You right. know, and, and so, yes, I do believe that that you have to build a relationship from the beginning. And I do believe that. If you're going to contact a parent or if a parent is going to contact a teacher, like, you know, create that, that, I don't want to say warm and fuzzy, 
but that <laughs> that um uh man that yeah that i mean you can just call it a relationship you know create those those vibes between the two where you can yeah. actually have a great working um, relationship because you all are working for the same purpose which is to advance exactly. my child to a higher level right that's right and i mean every parent can have a different role i remember when i first started teaching like one parent would be the parent who came in to encourage the student one parent would be the one who always donated food <laughs> like every parent did did to the capacity to which they could do stuff like yeah. you do according to what you can do yeah like i'm not going to expect from you what you can't do mm-hmm. like she has like two incomes coming in you know they have a hundred thousand dollars in their home okay they can they can afford to bring food for the party you can't do that but when you have a day off if you want to come up here and just give some motivational words to the students then do that like you know whatever you could do to make your presence known like make that known but i do want to bring up something and i remember this even you just made me think about it um rich but i think a lot of parents don't realize too that the reason why teachers do all of that emailing because now they're required to document every single interesting whether it's minor or not we have to document every they are required to document everything so I remember listening to the podcast and you were talking about the teacher and how she just kept sending these emails and kept every little minor thing. It's a requirement now. It didn't used to be like that, mm. but now every little thing, if they threw paper across the room, even if they're trying to hit somebody, if you think that that may be something that leads to an issue in the future, you have to document it. You you know what that makes me think? Um <laughs> While I can appreciate documentation because I think that it's something that's very important, to a degree, I think that that can be a negative thing for some people because mm-hmm. if a, a teacher has an issue with a student for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we all personality clash, whatever the case may be, this teacher may just send things and it it not be a problem at all but because there is this um tension so to speak between this teacher and the student the the teacher is documenting everything and it just is a lot so i mean there i know that being a teacher is not an easy job it's not and I, i pray for teachers because of the dynamic the various dynamics that they have to deal with every day whether it's in their classroom whether it's um, with their principal whether it's with a parent even with students there's just so many variables that they have to be mindful of so my hat is off to all teachers all people who sacrifice you know, like you said, the, the, what engineer is going to leave a hundred thousand dollar job to come and teach for forty thousand dollars right. a year? You know what I'm saying? But right. it's it, so I know that it's a sacrifice, and I appreciate it. That's why it was so important for Rich and I to actually find out what it is that we can do. Not just us, but we as including our listeners can do to make sure that we are helping teachers 
to be as effective as possible because like i said last week you know you have those parents who at the first phone call they quick to go and flip out on the teacher <laughs> and they, yes. yeah and, and i know that you experienced that and knowing they little johnny was wrong but they quick to go up to the school and just flip on the teacher and the teacher is like what i'm just telling you your kid you know was off the chain and and this is legit stuff so right. i just want to make sure that we can communicate as much as we can so i appreciate all that you're sharing because i had no idea that there was a, a um a, a college level teaching for teachers right. to teach them what they need and how you know i i didn't know that right. <laughs> so it's right. really right. great to hear that there is something in place that does that and it's really great to know that everybody that does this is not just doing it just to be doing it but you're legitimately trying to improve a broken system so to speak oh yeah it's, we still have a lot of work to do to do like even in the teacher education program we still have a lot a lot of work to do hey guys we didn't want to make this episode too lengthy what we want to do is you know kind of try to keep it short keep it right around that 30 minute mark at max so to do that we're gonna have to continue this episode on next week but because we're gonna continue it on next week um here's a couple of little short things highlights if you will of what's gonna take place on next week incorporate that culture like i've been to ghana i i know for sure that yes you know we were once you know kings and queens we still are but yes, that's how we originated before they stripped us right and brought us over here you know and tricked us right yeah <laughs> you know yeah. being the kind people we have always been <laughs> and loving people we've right. always been you know tricked us into thinking oh you know there's going to be a partnership no you want to take from us but that's a whole nother podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we was actually looking at each other like, yeah, that's another yeah, podcast. Yeah, we about to bring her back. <laughs> oh, and be sure to check out KhadijahRBZ.com. That's K-H-A-D-I-J-A-H-R-B-Z.com. Get your Melaninated Queen and Goddess t-shirts. Get them for the summertime. Be summertime fine and rep for your melanin. Won't you do it? You better do it. And thank you guys for checking us out this week and listening to our episode on parents, teachers versus students conflict. And, you know, we'll carry on part three next week. Make sure you go to teambees.com. That's teambees.com to follow us, to subscribe, to get all things Team Bees. See you guys next week on another episode of Another One.